This is Blues and Bird, presented by KT, a show dedicated to pet enthusiasts. Here's your host, Frank Reese. Welcome to Blue Zoo Bird, presented by KT. I'm not really sure how I did it, but I was able to uh, convince Laura Joseph from the Animal Behavior Center to come in for a trifecta of interviews, which is lucky for you because she uh, breaks stuff down really well and explains things of what's going on. And when we come back from a quick break with Blue Zoo Bird, presented by KT, we'll get back to Laura and Sam's story. Back in a minute. At KT, we know pets are part of the family. We believe in the incredible connection between people and their pets. That's why we are dedicated to providing the highest quality foods, habitats, and accessories to assure your pet's health and happiness. We create products you can trust because like you, we have a passion for pets. For over 150 years, the experts at KT have put their hearts into everything they do, establishing KT early on as an innovator in small animal and pet bird nutrition and care. KT is at the heart of healthy, happy pets. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Laura, thanks for joining us the third time. Man, are you a glutton. <laughs> hey, Frank, good to be on again. <laughs> I, w- I would be remiss if I did not ask you if you could paint us a little picture of your 10,000-square-foot Animal Behavior Center facility in Northwest Ohio. We're located in Northwest Ohio. Um, it's an amazing place to see, and it's amazing when I open up the door for people that come in for a workshop or visiting and watch, just watch the look on their faces. It's a 10,000 square foot former greenhouse that we have turned into an animal training um, facility. Uh, You walk in the the front double doors, you're gonna see on the front of the building is gonna be painted a turkey vulture. You're gonna see Rico painted on their umbrella cockatoo, Rocky our Moluccan cockatoo, Milo our pig. Um, there's an octopus painted on the door. You open up the gobbled glass doors and it's 10,000 square feet <clears throat> of amazingness. It's all grassed in. Um, we have banana trees growing throughout. Um, the ceilings we reconstructed a couple of years ago. There's um, the ceilings, there's two ceilings in here. They both open up five feet to the north. There's aviary netting um, to help prevent animals from getting in and animals getting out. The ceiling is probably close to 50 feet tall with rafters. Um, It has a roof on it that allows the sun to get through to get to the animals and to help the grass and the trees grow. We have mimosa trees out there. We have a big, big tree that grows uh, fruit for the birds. We have a big pond out there where we train the fish. Um, we have a turkey vulture that flies around with a, an amazing over five foot wingspan. So if you walk in, you may not hear her coming, but you're going to feel it. And it's amazing just so she can, the place is so big, she can soar. Um, we have two different separate rooms off to the back. Um, one is a thousand square foot enrichment and training room where we make um, all the foraging toys for all the animals, primarily focused on the parrots. You walk back beyond that, there's another thousand square foot room that has heated concrete floors, uh, 24 windows, 10 foot tall cages, 
uh, by 10 feet wide and each one of those houses a parrot. And it's full of amazing volunteers. It's a lot of times people come here and they're like, this place is just a happy place to be. And I'm like, well, of course it is. We're, we're, we focus on positive reinforcement and applied behavior analysis and not just of the animals, it's of the people too. Um. I'm I'm sitting here with my headset on, with my eyes closed, and trying to you know figure what you're talking about. You're basically describing the Willy Wonka factory, is what you're doing. <laughs> Pretty much, Willy Wonka factory for animals. It's uh, <laughs> I take it it's uh, open by open to the public, but by appointment. Yes, it's by appointment only because we never know. I mean, we have resident animals here that we train. We also bring in different animals from different facilities. So just to walk in the front door could be a dangerous situation when you don't know what's on the other side of the doors. Um, our volunteers volunteer here every day of the week from 10 to 2. And those hours are on purpose because before they get here and after they get here, that's when I get those animals out that are labeled as dangerous, aggressive. And I start working with them you just you just described how my producer goes home every day that he doesn't know what's on the other side of the door and it's dangerous <laughs> so <laughs> that's for another story anyway okay. <laughs> that was a horrible segue um uh. <laughs> what i'd like to uh talk about is you had teased a little bit on the second show about a story when we were talking about special needs birds and animals and i, I want you to touch base on sam's story if you don't mind Sure. Um, and just to let you know, Frank, um, Sam's story somewhat ended, but it continues through his legacy. Oh, just a okay. little FYI. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Sam Sam is a was a blue fronted Amazon that had no eyes that I adopted um, July of oh my gosh, had been a year. No, August of last year. No, September of last year. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I met him July of last year. So Sam's story, Sam, I was told he was 23 years old, but we actually think he was a lot older than that, more like 35. Um, why did you there think was that? Watching him try to move. Okay. He, this, was a, this was a bird in pain, okay. older. Um, we think there was <clears throat> a lot going on. Um, so... I met Sam a year ago last July when it was actually a helping wing uh, parrot rescue out of Blairstown, New Jersey, hired me to come in and train their staff how to train the birds so they could get adopted out. Um, and w when I walked in the front door, I was standing beside this cage and I kind of looked at this bird and I could tell there was something, his behavior let me know he couldn't see. So I kept looking over at him because at the time he had eyes. And I said, we're sitting there talking and I was like, excuse me, what is the deal with this bird? And they're like, oh, that's Sam. Um, he came into the rescue two years ago. Um, he was cared for by an elderly man who passed away. The kids took the bird to try to keep the bird in the family, didn't know what they were doing. They surrendered the bird to a helping wing two years prior when they surrendered him, Jeannie Gilligan, the owner said, do you know this bird cannot see? And they had no idea. So he had cataracts on both eyes and um, was required to get medication in his eyes every three days um, for health and pain relief. Their veterinarian suggested 
why don't we eliminate the stress of having to capture this bird three times a day and let's just remove his eye. So they did. When I was there, I believe one eye was removed. Um, the other eye was scheduled to be removed. So I said, by the end of training this organization for eight hours, I ended up next to Sam's cage again. I was not looking for another bird, but I just said, being he is as old as he is and he cannot see, what is his chances of getting adopted? And they said, next to not, next to zero. And I went back to, I was staying with a girlfriend out in New Jersey and I filled out an application to adopt that bird by the next morning. They waited until his other eye was removed in August and for it to heal. And I drove out Labor Day weekend last year, picked up this bird, brought it back to the Animal Behavior Center. And I remember Jeannie Gilligan telling me, she goes, well, he doesn't do much. Um, he has this one perch, but let me show you what he can do. And she touched his food door and I never saw a bird move so fast. He was like, <laughs> and he took off down the perch to his food dish. And that's when I looked and I said, this bird can do a lot more than this. So I brought him back to the Animal Behavior Center and we live streamed our work with him. I began, um, so where I started was handing him food because he was used to just being captured three times a day. So his behaviors were very defensive. He would, um, you, if he heard a voice, he would go at it with an open mouth and lunge to protect himself. So I started by just saying, Sam, I'm over here. And as soon as he would open his mouth, I would shove a snap pea in it, the, the whole <laughs> the whole snap pea pod. So I started pairing my voice with the positive. Yeah. So then he started coming towards me, um, gent more gentler, slower pace. And instead of reacting with an open beak um, in self-defense, he would walk towards me with an open beak looking for the snap pea. So then I started recall training him. Then I started, I didn't know it. He had been in his, where do I go with this? Because I ended up having to put him down and I asked for his vet records to be faxed to me before I put him down. And that's when I saw on his vet records that this bird had not been out of its cage in 16 years before I had adopted him. Now, let me tell you the things I did with this bird within the few six months that I had him. He was out of his cage more than he was in it. Uh, we opened up his cage every morning. So people are like, how this bird has no eyes. How are you going to keep I was just like, do not clip the wings, leave them fully flighted. He is not going to want to fly if you do not put him in the position to want to have to get away from you. So we always made him want to come near us. And that was with pairing our voice with the snap peas. He loved pecans. What didn't this blue from an Amazon? What food didn't he like? Because I started pairing myself with all his positive reinforcers, he started following my voice and I taught him to come out of the cage, on top of the cage, to go to a perch outside of his cage. Um, there's a famous picture out there I have with him standing perched beside me. Um, sorry. It's okay. So when, I'm very emotionally vested in this bird because this bird did so much in six months that people weren't even aware. Frank, he created such a following on social media. He had dog trainers following him, zoo awesome. trainers. And because I paired my voice with positive reinforcers all the time, 
pretty soon he started letting me scratch his head. He was following me to get to me for that tactile interaction, for that touch. So we started turning his cage so he could go out on top of this large 10 foot tall. He, he couldn't see it, so he didn't know how far off the ground it was. But this cage that we, we called it um, going to school, we put foraging toys up there for him and he would wander all around the top of this 10 foot by 10 foot cage throughout the day. And he started seeking the interaction of the other birds in the bird room of us. He would call to us. Um, when he, as soon as he heard us come into the bird room, he'd be like, hello. And um, he would ring his little bell and here it is. I have it hanging at my desk. <laughs> Awesome. Um, he, he followed that bell. Uh, he was doing things like voluntary crating. Um, we were starting on nail trims. He did beat targets, medication training, recall. Um, it was amazing, Frank. And it was cool that just to, to see in that six months that he did all of these things, spent most of the time outside of his cage. And it wasn't until right before I put him down within that six short months that I realized he hadn't been out of his cage in over 16 years. Wow. That's so that all happened. All of what you just described within six months, within six months. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I returned from vacation this past February and before I went, I was watching Sam's behavior Sam was not a healthy bird. Uh, we think he was a lot older than 23. And I watched him on the camera at night and he slept very restlessly. He was constantly shifting his weight. So I think he was in pain. Um, and um, I remember before I went on vacation, I wrote on the training board, uh, syringe trained Sam, because I had a little cue, something may be amiss. When I came back from vacation seven days later, I was watching live streams the volunteers were doing with him. He was coming out of his cage every day, going to school by himself, um, talking to the other Amazon. And he would, he got to the point where he would come off that 10 foot cage and put himself back in his own cage. <laughs> that's that's awesome. when he was just like, that's when he's like, I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I came home and the volunteer told me he just recently started vomiting. I was like, that's not good. So I took him to the vet and um, we did a C they did a CBC, a complete blood count and found out that his white blood cell count was 92,000, which was off the chart. This was a bird diagnosed with acute leukemia in a very short period of time to live. I took that um, news really hard because I was like, no, no, look how much you've done in six months. People were rooting for you, watching you. Sam was foraging through such high level of complex toys beyond the skill of any other parrot I have here, um, except for Rico. But um, <laughs> just the, um, the progress he made in that six short months. So within six days of getting that diagnosis, um, I begged the vet to change their prognosis. This can't be, please tell me this bird and they're like, Laura, he doesn't have law. And he didn't. I ended up putting him down less than six days later. Um, and a veterinarian did me a great favor by coming into the home and putting him down where he could uh, 
be peaceful. Do you think that of the be, do you think the six months was obviously because of your training, but it also helped that those birds are highly intelligent? Does that have anything to do with it? Absolutely, Frank. I mean, I love working with parrots. I love working with birds. I try not to tell anybody that, but I think it's kind of obvious. <laughs> I love working with parrots because they are the most complex animal I have dealt with, not only because of their cognitive abilities and their observational skills, learning through observation, but because of their unique form of transportation, which is flight. Um, they can fly a lot faster than I can run, so I better know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think people don't know their abilities. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a plethora of behavior issues within the companion parrot community because we're not giving them enough jobs to do. We're, we're making things too simple, and scientific studies already show that animals that live in captivity and within closures seriously lack problem solving skills well it's um it's also a little tough sometimes when the pet's smarter than the owner so uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> unless you give them their taxes you're not really going to help you much why well, i, I appreciate do that i appreciate you sharing that story that's fantastic and you know obviously beyond mad respect for you to do that that's really awesome so and, thank you. Uh, yeah, and I apologize for the little emotional. Oh, come on now, stop didn't it! Didn't think that was going to come, but I wanted to tell you, Frank. Sam's story still lives on. Um, I created a nonprofit called the Sam I Can Foundation um, to help people and animals in need, um, in desperate situations, to do better. Whether that's through um, transportation, food, education. What have you. Can they, Sam, I can, can they get that on the website? Yeah. The, the website is Sam, I can found Sam, I can foundation.org. We also have a Facebook page that is extremely active right now because there's another, it's one of the first animals we've donated the Sam, I can foundation fundraising to. So it's Sam, I can foundation.org. And it's also on yes. Facebook. Um, yes. The other, your website is theanimalbehaviorcenter.com. And yes. every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, Coffee with the Critters on the Animal Behavior Center, uh, a one-hour live stream. And again, what are you doing Sunday mornings other than laying around eating chips in your pajamas? Well, maybe not eating chips, but <laughs> but that wasn't even a drinking good Drinking coffee. That wasn't a good visual, was it? No, drinking coffee because yeah. it's Coffee with the Critters. <laughs> <Yeah>. Awesome. <laughs> Laura, I, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for spending time for three shows. Um, your stuff is phenomenal, and I, I can't wait to come out there and check the place out. I can't wait to have you out, Frank. Looking forward to it. Thank you it. so I'm much. I know you also, um, which I don't think we talked a lot about, but you mentioned it earlier, you um, you you have some special needs students and kids come in, and uh, you do a great job with them too. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That is Laura Joseph, the Animal, Animal Behavior Center. Laura, thank you. I will talk to you soon, and all the best out in uh, Northwest Ohio. Okay. Peace out, Frank. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. That's like literally right. the first peace out I've ever gotten, and that is outstanding. Laura Joseph, if you haven't heard of it, shame on you. The Animal Behavior Center. And every Sunday morning, 
come on, if you're going to go on Facebook, there's really not a lot to go on Facebook for, but you should go on for Coffee with the Critters, the Animal Behavior Center. I want to thank Laura Joseph for coming. I also want to thank KT for uh, getting her, uh, you know, at least letting her uh, know that we exist. And she came on and did a fantastic job. This is Blue Zoo Bird presented by KT. Until next time, talk to you later.